0: When you can effectively articulate the value through a program promise, you don't even really need to sell anymore. It's just, can I get an alignment? Is there alignment between what problem my ideal client is experiencing and alignment between the promise that I'm delivering? And when those two alignments are in connection or in agreement, that's when people are knocking down your door saying, how much does it cost to work with you? They're asking the closing questions. You're not selling them. Yo, yo. If you have been in a situation, maybe you're in this position right now within your business where you're trying to decide how to ethically raise the price of your group coaching program or of your coaching program, this episode is for you. Talking about ethics and integrity when it comes to pricing, especially when you're selling uh, a form of intellectual property is a conversation that we don't have enough, but it's definitely responsibility to every CEO, coach, entrepreneur business owner that is in this online digital information education sharing space. So this is one of these episodes where I um, highly recommend that you grab a notebook, <laughs> open up a new tab uh, of notes on your desktop if you're listening to this on your computer, because you're definitely going to want to jot this down and or refer back to this in the future. So uh, this conversation of this live stream is actually um, sparked from a Q&A that I received via my Instagram stories yesterday. And somebody asked such a powerful question that I felt like this deserved an entire live stream in and of itself, okay? so But she asked a question like, how do I think or what are my thoughts about ethically pricing coaching programs? And she said that I just feel like some of the Prices that I'm seeing on programs are just outrageous at this point And she wanted me to share my perspective and I did this in my instagram stories This is something that if you don't follow me on instagram, I highly recommend that you do um, My instagram stories is just a really great opportunity for us to connect more intimately For me to get more of your direct questions So I can answer some more of those like private things you might be thinking that but you want a public response on So you can follow me over at Jerisha Hawk on instagram but I was like, this warrants an entire conversation. How to ethically raise your price of your coaching program, being conscious of the world that we live in, in this online internet streets, right? So first thing is first is when we start talking about ethics, when it comes to pricing your program, I want to break down a couple of concepts so that we're all on the same page. So the first thing I want to distinguish the difference between is price Cost and value, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions or uh, challenges that ends up happening is that a lot of time people think that price, cost, and value are all one and the same, and they are absolutely not. Okay, so I want to break down the difference between these things. First, one that we're going to talk about is cost. Cost is typically the expenses incurred or the expenses acquired by the business by the company to actually create and produce the service that they're selling. Price is a lot more easy to conceptualize when we're talking about something physical. Like if you were going to actually make a, let's say you were making an at-home shea butter body scrub, right? That physical product. When you are making a physical product, there are costs of ingredients. There's cost of packaging. There's cost to manufacture the product. There's cost for shipping, there's cost for, you know, domain hosting, the website hosting, everything that you need to actually create the physical product itself. That is the cost. cost is anything, the expense that is is necessary to create the product. And this it talks about labor, materials, to do delivery of sales, utilities, shipping, any of the business activities that are associated with it to actually physically make the product. Cost is also true in the form of coaching. I think it's a lot harder for people to conceptualize and maybe a little bit more difficult for people to calculate, but there is a cost associated with you actively delivering the service, right? So cost is just how much does it actually, what is the actual expense associated to creating and to, to the actual creation of the product that you're selling and 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 to, to physically deliver it? So when I think about, um, and I'll give you guys some examples if you need them as we move along, but I want to just break down these definitions to start with. So that is cost. How much does it, what is the actual expense associated with the service that is being provided with the product that is being created? And the tangible, I think, way that any of us can understand is if you were to make an at-home shea butter butter scrub, how much does it cost for you to buy all of your ingredients, to package all of your ingredients, to ship that product to a new customer, Um, the labor associated with that, all of that, right? Price, on the other hand, is the amount that a client or customer is willing to pay for the product or service that you're selling. So price has nothing necessarily to do with cost. Price is really about the uh, amount that is charged by a business from its clients or customers for providing the goods or service, right? And that that difference between cost and price is where profit comes in. So let's say here, if you are, you know, um, selling your shea butter, shea butter body scrub for $5, that's the price, but the cost to actually create that product is $20, you are now in the hole 15 bucks because it costs $20 to actually make the product and to ship it, but you're only selling it. The price of it is only $5. You are now do not have a profit. This is what happens a lot of time in coaching. People will sell a private one on one coaching session, right? And they're selling it for $50 an hour. But they're not accounting against the entire cost associated with preparing for that one hour coaching call. How much time did you spend prepping for it? How much education did you pay for to even equip you to be able to deliver that one hour session? How much time did it take you on the call? How much time is it taking you post call? from an administrative perspective to be able to wrap up any action items, create any homework, offer any feedback after that one hour call. So that one hour coaching session ends up turning into four hours of work. You just charge $50 for that one hour coaching session, but it was four hours technically worth of work. How much money did you actually make on that one hour session? Let's divide $50 by four. How much is that? Right, It's a little bit less than what, but maybe $12 an hour? Now you can see, is my price accurately aligned with the cost associated for me to to deliver that one hour session? And is that something I'm okay with? Are you okay with getting technically paid $12 $12 an hour to deliver a one hour coaching session is really what ended up happening here. And then it's like, okay, you you guys get what I'm saying? So that's the difference between price and the difference between cost. Now I want to talk in the, the definition of value. Value is what goods or services pay you, i.e., what is, that, what is that thing worth? The value of a product or a service is the, is the utility of the thing being delivered, the worth of the service to the individual. Value is subjective to some degree, okay? So value is what is the worth of this product or service to or for the individual? And this is why, again, cost, price, and value are not one and the same, People talk about, okay, how can I increase the value of my coaching? How can you increase the worth to the individual for the service that you are selling? Somebody write that down. That alone, we need to be passing the offering plate around because I know that definition alone and that awareness level of what that means can literally change the game for you and how you approach every aspect of your business. Value in the sense, if you want to increase the value of your coaching, of your coaching program. How are you, think about it is how am I increasing the worth of the deliver, uh, the worth of this program, the worth of this coaching for a specific individual? How am I increasing for a specific individual the worth of the service that I'm offering, the worth of the coaching that is being delivered? That is value. Individuals, how they perceive value will differ from person to person, from demographic to demographic, right? And, but again, I just wanted to, again, let me not, y'all know I can get, I can move too fast. Let me slow it down. So are we all clear on the difference between cost, price, and value? Cost is the expenses uh, necessary, the expenses necessary to create and deliver the service that is being sold. Price is the amount that somebody is willing to pay for a good or service. Value is the worth of the service to a specific individual. Quick recap. We gotta make sure that we are all on the same accord with definitions before I go into breaking things down for you, okay? So that is a good thing that we need to break down. There's always cost inquired or cost associated with delivering anything. You may not understand, it's your responsibility as the CEO of your business, it's your responsibility as a service provider to understand what is the cost associated and how that cost in association to what you deliver changes over time, right? When you're just getting started in business, there's very little uh, financial expense if you're a coach to deliver your service. That is also the beauty of our industry. The cost of entry to becoming an online coach is very low. You pay for internet, you pay for your iPhone, um, you pay for maybe an acuity scheduling software to schedule appointments. You might pay for a Google business account. After that, you technically have enough uh, from like a technical standpoint to start delivering coaching services. But now you need to start factoring in what is your time worth? What is the, and like, what is, how much do you physically want to be paid per hour or the value? Like, you know what I'm talking, you, you know what I'm saying? That's a lot of us where we start, right? I started trying to price my coaching in the very, very beginning, almost five years ago, based off of what I was getting paid in my corporate job, because I had to make it relative to what was real for me in the moment. I was like, how can I get paid in accordance to what my actual, you know, somewhat comparable to what my salary is as an engineer? And not only are we talking about costs associated with your time, we need to be factoring in taxes. Let's talk about it. No shade, I know there's a lot of folks on here. The first year after they are in business or the second year they're in business, they realize they haven't been paying taxes on the services they've been delivering. And because that was not a cost associated with delivering the service, they didn't factor in to their pricing. Taxes are real and taxes are different from state to state, right? Um, The cost associated with hiring team members, as my business has grown, we have way more expenses than when we had when we first started. I have people on payroll. I have contractors that I'm paying. There's extra software that I'm paying for to provide a higher level of service to my clients. You know, there's additional coaching support that I'm investing in to make me a better coach so that I can deliver a better service to my clients. Right? There's consultants that I'm hiring to Um, Make sure that, you know, there's lawyers that we're paying for to help us develop contracts. Like all of these things that help us function and run our business as my business has grown, as my expenses have increased, that impacts the price of the service that I sell, right? Just purely from a how much does it cost to deliver this to how much does somebody need to pay me for this to make sense from a profit perspective, for me to make sure that I'm not putting myself in the hole. Right. And then we start thinking about now, after we get out of pricing based off of just time for money or expense versus the expected profit we want to make, how do I now start factoring in the value that I'm delivering to my client? How do I start calculating the value that my clients are getting from the coaching that they are experiencing with me? And not just, you know, we're going to break this down here in a little bit, but like value in the sense of what is my program worth to the individual that I serve? And again, value and worth is subjective from individual to individual. This is why it is so imperative that you, and I'm going to break this down here in a second, but that you are speaking and designing your program for a specific individual, right? But the reason why value is so important, I mean, specifying who your offer is for, kind of going back to what this young lady sent me a DM of, she's like, Jay, the prices are getting outrageous. The price is outrageous to an individual who does not prioritize worth in the service that is being sold. But that does not mean that, that price is outrageous to another individual who has a, a deeper level of value or a deeper level of utility association with the service being sold, right? So think about it like this: if you were hired, and I'm gonna use like a worst case scenario here, because I think this is something that all of us can relate to, right? If you had, if you just got diagnosed with cancer. And you were trying to hire, let's just say, let's talk about a doctor, like let's say a brain surgeon, a brain surgeon for an, for a yearly salary gets paid what quarter of a mil, half a mil, maybe a million dollars a year, depending on where they're at in the country. Let's just say they get paid half a mil a year. And if you want to have a private one-on-one session with this specialized brain surgeon in Seattle, um, it's going to be $10,000 for a one hour consult. To some people, that might seem outrageous, right? Especially if you're a person that does not have any brain issues, does not have any pre-existing medical conditions that you would need that type of service. So yeah, it might sound outrageous to pay some $10,000 for an hour consult with some brain surgeon in Seattle, right? The worth or the utility of what is being offered is not worthy or of utility for you as an individual, Let's change the individual. Let's say you're an individual whose child just got diagnosed with brain cancer of some sort. You would spend the $10,000 to have a one hour consult with the best brain surgeon in Seattle. The worth that you now associate to that service and the utility of how you can, that because the, the utility of that one hour consult can save your kid's life. Now that price is not outrageous for you to have the best for your child. And I don't know if that's maybe the best example, but I, 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 that's just the first thing that comes to mind of like trying me trying to pull the biggest right comparison that I can there's that the but think about the individual's needs desires priorities what they classified as worthy what they classified as like utility of use completely changed so how I would market that one hour consult for ten thousand dollars for that brain surgeon in Seattle would be very I would not try to market the person who doesn't have a problem who doesn't have utility of use for the service that is being sold Right. That does not have a value association or any like worth association for what is being delivered because it's not for them. It's not, there's no use to them. Right. I think about, you know, my house is mostly furnished with restoration hardware. Literally love RH furniture. If you visit RH website, it's you'll easily spend five thousand, eight thousand dollars on a couch. Now, when I was, you know, 19 years old in college buying my first couch, I didn't even know what restoration hardware was. Why? The utility of use was beyond my capabilities at the moment, right? My individual priorities at 19 years old in college when I'm trying to buy my first couch, my priority was not to have the best fabric for my butt to sit on. My priority of use or worth associated with a couch was literally nothing. I just literally like doesn't have four legs can I sit on it? Yes or no? Now that I'm 30 years old, um, I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't want to say I'm bougie, but like my desires of how I want to experience my leisure on a day-to-day basis have significantly elevated from when I was 19 years old in college, right? When I was 19 years old in college, I was willing and fully prepared and bought a $90 futon from Walmart Thinking that 90 bucks for the futon was a little bit highly priced, right? Even though that futon served two functions. It was both a couch and a bed, right? So the futon from Walmart, they were trying to increase the value by increasing the utility use for the individual consumer that they were trying to create that product for. Not only is it a couch for you college student, it is also a bed. It will serve as two functions. I have now increased the utility of use for this piece of furniture. Now that I'm 30 years old, I don't want no couch that can turn into no bed because I prioritize comfort. I prioritize quality of sleep. I prioritize the the feeling of the fabric on my skin. I prioritize the lushness and the depth that I sit on when I'm binging my Netflix. Like my priority association to what I now purchase has significantly changed. So the specific nature of what an individual classifies as worthy or valuable has also now significantly changed. This is why now I'm in a position where I will spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars on a couch where I will no longer even consider buying a $90 futon from Walmart. Do you guys understand? You guys picking up what I'm putting down the difference between cost, value, and price. The reason why restoration hardware can charge five thousand dollars for a couch or eight thousand dollars for a couch, the cloud. Is like $14,000 for some of the configurations. Why? It's because they use the best fabric. They use the best inserts. They use the best manufacturing. They have some of the best construction of the um, actual furniture in the marketplace. Like the long-term um, value utility to a customer. Is I know that I'll have that couch for the next 15 or 20 years without diminishing or de- quali- like without diminish of quality of the structure of the furniture that I purchased. If I bought a futon from Walmart, it may have immediate imp- like utility use, but will I be able to use that futon five years from now? Will I be able to use that futon 10 years from now? So it's not just the value of what is being offered today and the utility and use of, of what's being sold today, but also factoring in what is the utility of use long-term in the future down the line. So are we all clear on the difference between cost, price, and value? Even now, if a girlfriend asked me to come, you know, Come visit me. You can sleep on my couch, no sis. I will get a hotel room. Why? Because I ain't sleeping on nobody's couch at at this stage in my life. I would prefer to have comfort of a good bed, a good quality of sleep, and it's no shade on your couch, just my position in life has changed. My utility of use around a couch is just purely for the function of sitting on it and maybe taking a nap during Netflix binging you know, it, my utility of use and what I, the worthiness I associate with the product now has completely transformed, right? Like even how much, you know, you guys get what I'm saying here. So we now understand the difference between cost, price, and value. They are not one and the same. And it's really important that you understand that and distinguish the difference between each. So now when we start to correlate this back, so let's make this practical for you for where you're at is how do I ethically raise the price of my coaching program? Right, because like you know, there's a couple things. I think there's four key things that you need to be thinking about, prioritizing, um, improving over time, enhancing as you grow to be able to ethically raise your price, so that you can sleep well at night, so that you can have integrity behind what it is that you're offering and delivering, and more importantly, so that you have the confidence to actually position and sell the service that you want to offer and deliver. Because when we are selling intellectual property, there's a level of confidence that must be conveyed for your clients to trust and believe you, right? If you are the you know the best hidden gem in the world, it means nothing if you don't have the confidence to be able to articulate your value in a way that your clients can also understand that expertise and genius. And it's not just you having the genius. Go back to value, it's the utility of use. Can you articulate the ut- utility of use to your prospect in a way that's relevant, a priority for them, urgent for them, and necessary for them at the moment when you're introducing them to purchase? Time- timeliness matters. Value is dynamic, right? It's value for the specific individual that you're selling for. It's value in the sense of, is this timely? Is there urgency around it? Is there a need for it right now? Are you able to clearly articulate how that this thing can be used right now at the moment when they're making a buying decision? Really, really key here. Sometimes you guys are really great at, and I think all of us, we can be really great at delivering, like articulating our value, being able to convey the utility of use for the specific person that we want to um, give it to. But the thing that we missed is how do I make it relevant now? At the moment that the prospect is ready to make a buying decision. Are y'all picking up what a sister's putting down? I know that this is like probably blown some minds for a few people here. Because this is, again, I've never been in any coaching program that has distinguished the difference between cost, price, and value in a way that's very, very tangible that I'm doing right now. I've personally never paid to be in a program that broke this down. Our clients aren't aware that this is how our curriculum is designed. They just don't know it. (laughs) All of our frameworks are designed around these principles and around these definitional breakdowns that I'm giving to you today. They just don't know it. But just if you're in services that sell, leverage, legacy, how we teach you guys how to price is always factored in these three very real elements. Even though I may have never broken down these definitions for you, just know our processes have been designed with these things in mind so that you're already doing what what you need to be doing if you're already inside of those programs. So how now there are four things that you need to be doing as the provider, as the coach, as the CEO of your coaching business to ethically raise the price of your coaching program. Okay. First thing that I think is top priority for you to be able to ethically raise the price of your program is one is having a clear program promise. Understand the difference between a program promise and an offer. Hey, Jay, I have a course. Hey, Jay, I have a membership. Hey, Jay, I sell an event. Hey, Jay, I sell a VIP day. Hey, Jay, I sell a group coaching program. That is the container that tells me nothing about the promise to be delivered. Hey, Jay, I sell a coaching program for black women, millennials who are ambitious and ready to achieve the goals of their life. You've now just given me every demographic of the person that you sell, have not clearly articulated the promise to be delivered, have not articulated the promise to be delivered. A clear program promise is far beyond the demographic makeup of who you serve. And it is far beyond the container of the offer that you're selling. A clear promise is like, let me give you guys some examples. And you guys can look at my Instagram highlights. There's one that says niche down that breaks down. I give a ton of different examples of what this could look like, right? But when you talk about clearly identifying a program promise, it should do a few things. I'm going to give you guys an example of... um. One of our new program coaches, her name is Janine. I adore her deeply. Janine, if you're on this right now, hey girl. Uh, but Janine is a lawyer. She used to. She's a lawyer by trade, but she has a coaching program teaching other lawyers who've been recently furloughed how to land a new position without having to retrain. That is a clear promise. Why? Because it clearly distinguishes who this is for. It's not just for women. It's not just for black women right cuz every black woman in america wants to have a better job don't we amen every black woman in america wants to have a raise don't we amen every black woman in america in the world wants to make more money don't we amen that is not a promise that is a demographic and it's important to factor in those demographic makes ups of the clients that you sell cuz that goes back to value articulation what might be valuable to a black woman might be different than what's valuable for a white woman And how you would articulate that value would be different because of cultural uh, nuances, because of, you know, um, yeah, because of cultural nuances. Because there's different ways that I would say something if I was in an audience full of black women than how I might position my service if I was in an audience full of white women. There's different analogies I would use. There's different, like, colloquialisms I would use. Like, there's certain words I would never say in an audience full of white women to a certain degree that I might paraphrase or position differently if I was in a room full of black women right? But why is Janine's program promise so clear? It clearly articulates not just the demographic of who it is for, but for the specific nature, the specific individual so that she can position the utility and the worth and the value of what it is she's shelling for. So it's for a lawyer. I would talk to a lawyer differently than I would talk to an engineer. I would talk to a lawyer differently than i talk to an HR professional. Why? Because a lawyer has different life experiences, shared experiences, and psychological makeup, that influence their buying decision than somebody in a different profession. The second reason of why her program promise was so clear for people who have been recently furloughed or who have recently gone through corporate change, right? Corporate leadership change. Why is that important for a promise? It conveys urgency, urgency that make going back to that example with the brain surgeon, going back to that example with, you know, your child getting diagnosed with brain cancer. Where's the urgency factor? What is the trigger moment that made her program promise of what she's delivering priority in the moment and worth and like worthwhile utility of use at the moment somebody's making a buying decision? Have you been recently furloughed or has your company recently gone through a leadership transition or leadership change where now your role, your position, your job is p- potentially at risk for being becoming obsolete or has already become obsolete? That's a completely different positioning of offer than somebody who's like in their first 90 days at a at a startup company, or completely different, you know, positioning for somebody who is been in their career for 10 years, and there has been no layoffs, no furloughed, no, you know, corporate, you know, um, executive change, their role is not threatened. Very different positioning of how you would phrase that exact same offer. You guys getting what I'm saying? So having a clear promise, and this is the priority of the number one thing that we help every single client with, no matter what program of mine you enroll in, because our marketing, messaging, positioning, sales strategies, none of that stuff effectively works or works as effectively if you do not have a clear program promise. Because your program promise is the first vehicle that's the first layer of armor for you to be able to effectively articulate your value, utility, and worth, and, and worth of that service for a specific individual. That is what your program promise is effectively doing. It is articulating your value for that specific individual so that it's clear what the utility of use is and why it is worthwhile for them to make an investment at point of purchase, right? Clear promise. Number one thing, like we have dozens of clients who have joined leverage or have been in services that sell who've never even done a lean launch. This is the reason why. If anybody has joined our programs, it's like, Jay, how was I able to make $10,000 in a day how was I able to have a $17,000 launch without actually doing a launch? Like, how was I able to make my first $3,000, $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 working with you when I haven't gotten past phase one? Because of this, a clear program promise can change the game for you, can change the game for you. There have been countless examples, even in this past month, Michelle Adams, um, Jenna uh, you know, Keisha Hicks, we've been working with you for a while though, but you've just been crushing it. Like we've had multiple clients who've joined leverage and within the first 30 days have been able to have more than a five figure, make more than $10,000 in sales. Why is that? And they haven't done a lean launch yet. They haven't even maybe gone through all the modules yet. They haven't even like finished the program yet, but like Maybe they have only done DM selling. They haven't even done sales calls yet. They haven't even done and implemented every aspect of the marketing and sales that we teach because a clear program promise, when you can clearly and effectively articulate the value in a way in which your ideal client, that specific individual can understand the utility of use and it is prioritized based off of what they deem worthy at the moment, you can sell anything. Like it's not even selling at that point. It's just making an invitation Correlating, hey, is this your problem right now? Does this program promise solve it? Do you want to fix this issue? You're not even selling at that point. This is why, like, the, people talk about Jay. How can I be less sleazy in my sales? I don't want to be manipulative. I don't want to have to be doing these bargain-based pricing and offering these deep discounts and like doing these secret upsells and downsells to get a yes. All you really need to—I do want to I wanna say all because this is not easy to do. This is like the hard, like this is the work that people avoid doing. Is when you can effectively articulate the value through a program promise, you don't even really need to sell anymore. It's just, can I get an alignment? Am I making, is there alignment between what problem my ideal client is experiencing and alignment between the promise that I'm delivering? And when those two alignments are in connection or in agreement, that's when people are knocking down your door saying, how much does it cost to work with you? If they're asking the closing questions, you're not selling them. Okay. So, program promise. This is why pretty much every one of my live stream videos talks about program promise. You guys hear me talk about it over and over and over again because this is the work that most coaches avoid. Everybody's like, "Well, I need to increase my leads. Leads for what? If you don't have a clear program promise, you don't even know what leads are going to be qualified and valuable, and even in a position to make a buying decision with you." Jan, you need to start running ads with what? What's your program promise? Well, I don't have one. Then what are you running ads for? What do you want awareness around? You don't even know what you need awareness around because you don't have a clear promise to have awareness of, right? Well, Jay, I need, to, I need to start um doing JV affiliates and speaking on different platforms to say what? If you don't have a clear program promise, how do you know how to drive that interview conversation? How do you know how to position yourself for that speaking engagement, right? Like you, you, you'll be just winging it and maybe growing an audience of people who are not, they might be ideal from a demographic perspective, but they are not gonna be qualified because you don't even know what you're qualifying them against because you don't have a promise. You don't have a promise. Let me digress. I know I'm gathering some of y'all right now. I know we're gathering some fucks. And in in, in a good way, like I really hope, like I like I am um, resonating, you guys are picking up what I'm putting down, but that is the number one thing When, as you continue to get clear on your program promise, will give you full authority permission to ethically raise the price of your coaching program. Second thing that you need to be doing to ethically raise the price of your coaching program is better qualifying your leads. And this goes back to having a program promise. And this is something that, guys, you are not going to get perfect the first time you do it. Like, we are constantly enhancing and refining our program promise. We are constantly enhancing and refining the qualifiers that we have. There is no definition of perfect. It's just, is this clear for the moment that we're in? Am I clear on the qualifiers? Let me get some clients in the door and, and I'm com- am I committed to continuous improvement of these things over time? Just like an iPhone. There's like 15 versions of the iPhone since when it first came out. Over time, they got better at clarifying the promise of what that iPhone would deliver, enhancing the promise of what that iPhone could deliver, enhancing the qualifiers associated with you to be able to purchase an iPhone. Like it went through iterations of change. So it's not like wait until it's perfect before you sell it. It's like get it good enough, sell it, and be committed to continuous improvement down the line. But the second thing that matters most is the ability for you to qualify your prospects for your program how strong is your qualification process? Somebody write that down. Number two is about qualifiers. How strong is your qualification process? And like we just talked about here, if you're only qualifying based off of demographic, like are they a woman? Are they black? Are they between 30 and 40 years old? Do they make fifty dollars to $70,000 for their salary job? And do they have a desire to grow? To be, Are they ambitious? Do they have a desire to achieve more goals? That is a start when it comes to qualification, but those are weak qualifiers. Reason being is if I put you in a room full of a thousand black women who are 30 to 40 years old and you ask them, who here is ambitious? I can almost guarantee every one of those women's hands are still going to be raised. And if you ask the question of, who here wants to accomplish their goals? I would also imagine that at least 90% of the people in the room hand are still gonna be raised. You have not qualified anybody. You have just identified a common sense of your community. Okay, okay. Going back to the example with Janine. And if anybody here is a lawyer who um, is looking to get promoted, uh, who's been recently furloughed or going through a company reorg or something like that, please go check out Janine. Her program is phenomenal. But how can we go about qualifiers? Now, even from Janine's program promise, the reason why her program promise is so strong is because it's also qualifying at the same time. And again, she went through maybe four or five iterations before she even got to this, and she's still refining this as she goes along. But part of the qualifier for Janine's is, one, are you a lawyer? Yes or no? So if I have a room full of Black women who are 30 to 40 years old, can I say, hey, are you a lawyer? Yes or no? Second qualifier is, have you been recently furloughed or has your company recently go through gone through a reorg? Those are clear qualifiers to, to uh, evaluate the effectiveness or the priority level of this service. Again, the value association with the individual. Those are very, very distinctive qualifiers. So that's the second thing that's most important here when it comes to qualif- like qualify being able to ethically raise your price. I think it's being able to ethically determine whether or not a prospect or a, pri- a client is actually qualified for your program. And a good example is this is if you're applying to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Berkeley, Emory, any of these major institutions, think about how in-depth their qualification process is. You have to submit an application, go through rounds of interviews, have a resume, have references. Like there are there's a layered qualification process that you have to go through to get into an Ivy League institution. And usually that qualification process is significantly more difficult, the higher the cost is of the institution, right? If you were trying to go to a junior college down the street, the qualification process may not be as difficult. It may not be as stringent. It may not be as, there's not as many things or hoops you have to jump through. Maybe you have to still fill out paperwork, but it's a different qualification process than if you were applying to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, right? Right. You need to have references, a resume, a cover letter, you need to fill out an application essay, um, so on and so forth. So when you think about if you as you raise your rates, part of this is my belief, part of your responsibility to ethically charging, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 dollars outside of a clear program promise is how how what's your qualification process look like? And this is beyond just having an application is like to me cost of entry. But how are you qualifying that application? Because part of the value of a group coaching program as you start to elevate your price point is beyond just the curriculum. It's also the curation of the community. And people, when they join Leverage, they're not just paying to have access to my documented intellectual property. That's part of it now, right? They're not just paying to have access to our coaching and our team. That's part of it. But part of the reason why they're also intrinsically paying is because of who they get to be around throughout this experience. People go to Harvard beyond just the education. They go to Harvard because of the network they get to have, the connections they build, the future opportunities that will be afforded to them down the line because of the association with like, hey, I went to Harvard and the prestige that comes with that name. And secondly, because of the caliber of people that they were surrounded by as peers and students in the in their educational experience. You guys get what I'm saying? So part of the qualification process is to ensure that you are not selling something to somebody who is not qualified for the thing that you're selling, but also to properly curate the community in which they're coming into. Another example of this is like, you know, if you were to invest into a hedge fund, private equity, um, some other like different investment vehicles that exist out here in the world, you have to be an accredited investor by law to be class. This is a qualification process. How do you determine whether or not you're a... I can't think of the term. I just said it. But you have to be like a certain level of... stat, like Not status, but you have to be either making a quarter of a million dollars a year or you need to have a million dollars of net worth, not including your primary residence. So if you're not an accredited investor, you cannot participate in certain vehicles. That is a qualification process that the government put on for you to be able to participate in hedge funds, private equity, and other investment vehicles. As you start to elevate your price point, if you wanna ethically be able to raise your prices, you need to also be able to strengthen your qualification process, okay? Third thing, after clear promise, after clear qualifiers, right, is do you have frameworks and documented curriculum to facilitate the execution to achieve the promise that you guaranteed? And this is something that happens over time. I am not an advocate and this I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying that you need to build all these things to perfection before you start selling. Absolutely not. Why? Because theres you can do live coaching, live teaching of your frameworks before you create pre-documented or pre-recorded trainings that you have a client watch without being there. You can I'm a big advocate on teach live before you pre-record anything. If you're an expert in what it is that you are doing, You probably already have frameworks that you follow to facilitate success for your clients. It's just you have unconscious competence around it. And what I mean by unconscious competence, it means that you know what it is that you're doing, but you're not consciously aware of how you're effectively getting that result for somebody else yet. And that's just something that you learn how to become more conscious of so that you can document your intellectual property in a way that somebody else can watch it, use it, facilitate through it to get the exact same result. I want to pause there for a moment to make sure that you guys picked up and understood that part. This was me all day. I had I have a lot of unconscious competence that there's a lot of intuitive things or things that I've learned over the years that I can help people with and I'm really, really effective at. But sometimes I don't realize what it is that I'm doing to get the result. I just know how to do it. Can anybody else relate to that? Most experts can. Most people have some level of expertise around something. You guys, a lot of the time we have unconscious competence about what it is that we're actively doing because we're, we're good at it. If you throw me on a call, anybody right now could like tell me whatever their offer is and I would know how to sell it. I know how to position it. I know how to message it. I know how to market it. It's, it's just, it's, I've done this so much. I know how to do it. So as you start, that's a, but that's a responsibility of yours. If you wanna continue raising your price point, we have to become conscious of the competence that we have by documenting and creating frameworks and curriculum that other people can follow without having direct access to us. This is something that is learned over time, y'all. This is something that is learned over time. I'm going to repeat it again. This is something that is learned over time, how to become consciously aware of the competence that you have and to do it in a way that you can teach it to somebody else um, so then so for them to get the exact same result that you can get for them. But that also that takes that's a skill set. When people talk about how do I do the work of building my coaching program, that's part of the work. Most coaching programs that I've been in do not teach anything around that. If you are inside of leverage, that is all of what Phase Three is about: how to become more co- conscious of the competence that you have to develop frameworks and curriculum for your coaching program. The fourth thing for you to ethically be able to raise your rates is to affect. It's, it's all about effective articulation of the value of the promise for who it is specifically for. It is the culmination of everything that we've talked about. How well can you articulate your value? How well can you articulate your program promise? How relevant real time can you make your program promise and the articulation of the value of what your promise delivers for the specific individual that it is for? This is something that you're doing constantly. This video right now is me actively displaying my ability to effectively articulate the value of what the premise of what it is that we teach. Like you guys are, this is happening real time. Every live stream video, your messaging and your marketing, the positioning of all of your content, like all of that is displays of effective articulation. The copy on your application page, how you structure and dialogue and and lead a sales conversation through direct message or on a phone call. All of that is effective articulation of value. And value is not just about what the cost or what the price is of entry, but value is also what is the return on investment that you will experience a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Because the beauty of a coaching program is that you guys will be able to get results in a short term, in a short period, in the next three months, 12 months. But there's also intrinsic value that you will be able to get because of the foundation you laid here. Because of the results you were able to get in the next 12 months, this is the value that it's gonna be able to create for you two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. So when we talk about ethically raising the price of your program, those are the four main things that I think and truly, truly believe that allows you to increase your price with confidence, with with integrity, with remaining ethical within our industry. And this is, again, if you're talking about when you're about to invest into a coaching program, you should be doing your due diligence, Is this coaching program, you know, if if they feel like the price, if the price feels outrageous to you or a stretch for you, are they hitting these markers? Do they have a clear program promise? Do they have strong qualifiers? Is there framework and curriculum to facilitate the execution of what it is that they're promising? Are they able to effectively articulate the value around their promise for a specific individual? And do I meet the criteria of those qualifiers and that specific individual? Again, this is for a coaching program, not a mastermind. Different containers have different expectations, but this is specifically for coaching programs. As the el- price point elevates, they should be able to do this even better. And again, this is something that you, I think I am committed to, all of my clients are committed to, our processes that we teach our clients The teaching is committed to is continuous improvement. This is why after every launch, I'm big on let's look at the data. What feedback did you get from your clients? Where can we strengthen one of these four things? And if you're already in our programs, guys, this is already actively happening. (laughs) Everything that that we do is designed to, to do this. So I really hope today really broke down the difference between cost, price, value, And more importantly, gave you guys the four key distinguishers that allows you to ethically raise the price of your coaching program. Tag me on your Instagram stories. Let me know what your top takeaway was. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye, y'all.